Hi, welcome to Life Take Shape. I'm Denise Mullane. And I'm Trisha Beckham. Join us as we discuss what has shaped our lives so you can get your life in shape. Welcome to Life Take Shape. I am Trisha Beckham. Denise is actually not going to be with me this episode, but she'll be back for the next one. So my guest today is Lena Janes. You got it. So do you even remember when we met? I was trying to think, like, did we meet at the gingerbread decorating thing or did we meet before that? I feel like it was an event before that, maybe like a dinner or something like that. That sounds familiar. Were you at the brunch in September? No. Okay, so then it was a dinner. The hostess asked us what our word for 2022 was going to be. Do you remember that? Were you at I that do. one? I totally, no, I totally remember it. And I totally could not tell you what that word was that I yeah. said. I, it's and I, completely gone from my brain. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> so I think that's the first time I ever like sat and actually had a couple of exchanges with you. Right. And I, right. And I knew I was like, yeah, we're going to be friends. She's awesome. There's just no reason why we shouldn't be friends. Yeah, it was, that was a fun event. I think, you know, that, that sort of did kickstart our friendship, which is amazing. It did. It's it's been so great. Yes, I agree. I agree. So we've only known each other like six, maybe eight, eight months, eight or nine months. Yeah. But it feels like a lifetime, of course. (laughs) It does. Um, so I'll just start with the first question because the reason why we probably are such fast friends is because we went to the same college. So we did tell us all about your time at NAU. I know that you have a, uh, a unique experience because of what you did while you were there. So tell us a little bit about your time at NAU. Yeah. So I made my way to NAU uh, via basketball. Um, I played for NAU um, on a full scholarship. Wow. And NAU wasn't necessarily like a school I sought out. I What ended up happening is I was being recruited by a bunch of different colleges. And then two days before my first game of my senior year of high school, we were scrimmaging against the boys JV team. And I'm very competitive, very. (laughs) (laughs) And so I was going up for a rebound and, and, you know, boys can jump higher than girls, regardless. So I was out there battling it and I came down on, you know, partially on someone's foot and tore every ligament in my right ankle. (gasps) Yeah. Oh Oh, no. So that pretty much changed the trajectory of college and, you know, a lot of schools stop recruiting you and so but NAU was one that that didn't and um I was thankful for that otherwise it was like junior colleges and things like that which I wasn't really interested in how absolutely devastating like you're just playing this game you have all these colleges after you you have to think like oh my god the world is my I, I can do anything I can go to any of these amazing schools and this one little thing happens and they, mm-hmm. I, I just, I can't imagine the heartbreak that must have been for you, especially at that age. Yeah, it was. So I missed the first six weeks of my senior year, didn't really get back on the court until the end of January. And basketball season usually wraps up in March. So needless to say, that doesn't leave a lot of time. That's how I ended up at NAU. And in the state, 
there was only three girls that went to Vision One. I knew the other two, myself and, and two other girls that I, one I had been going to school with since fifth grade, so we were friends. The other person I absolutely hated because <laughs> um, we were competitors. Remember I said, I'm very competitive. Yes. We ended up going, the girl I hated, we ended up going to the same college. So she went to NAU too. Are you kidding? Are you like, <laughs> no. oh no, I hate her. Were you so? I know. And she hated me. And we would, in high school, you know, we'd see each other out and give each other, you know, stink eye across the room <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> and um, so we got together the summer before college, ended up finding out we actually don't hate each other. We really like each other. We have a lot in common. That's awesome. And we became very fast friends. We didn't roommate together our first semester but after that we did so I mean we literally spent like out of a 24-hour day like 22 hours together um but she ended up being my maid of honor and when I got married and I was hers it was it was an interesting time to meet up with somebody you think is an adversary right and you find out you know not so much yeah really competitive yeah interesting well Mm -hmm. and sometimes you know, sometimes you meet somebody and they just kind of, there's just something about them and you're like, no, you know what I mean? And it's hard when mm-hmm. somebody makes a bad first impression to say, all right, I'll give them another try. You know what I mean? Especially yeah. if there's, they're like, why would I, why would I do that? So, yeah. so you go on a full ride to NAU. Um, and what was your major? Education, elementary you're, ed. Interesting. This is new information. I did not know you were an elementary education <laughs> major. A little surprising, I have to be honest. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But so you go to NAU, and so you are an NCAA athlete. Yeah. And uh, you and I have talked a little bit about being an NCAA athlete, and I thought it was the most amazing thing that could ever happen to you, and that there would be no drawbacks. So what is it? I mean, what is it like? So you're an athlete, you're on a full ride. The expectations have to be high from both internal, your own expectations of yourself, but also external. So how, how did you manage that? And what was it like on a daily basis? Being part of that level of collegiate sports is very much like joining the military. There is a level of, I don't want to say brainwashing, but kind of. Yeah, <laughs> right? no, where, that's where that's everything good. is about that sport and your whole world revolves around it and only it. And I often have said to people, you're an athlete student, at least that was my experience, not a student athlete. Yes, yeah. you you go to class and certainly for women's sports more so than men's, you actually do have to go to class. Like the dudes didn't go to class, so I, I witnessed it. I had to go to class when we were on campus. So yeah, it was, it was uh, all consuming. And I'll just briefly give you a, a day in the life of what it was like. Uh, two a day practices. So we would practice and have to be taped up and ready to hit the court at 5.45 a.m. every day. Oh my so we'd practice until 7.45, just enough time to maybe grab something to eat and get to your eight o'clock classes, right? Jeez. Then you go from class from eight to noon ish right eat lunch go back to the training room to get ice and therapy and whatever you needed to be back on the court usually by 1 30 or 2 we practice from 2 until at least 6 sometimes 7 sometimes later depending on the day then you have time to eat you may have to go back and watch game film or do weights or sometimes you would just miss dinner and you'd be doing game film and weights and you might not get done until 10 at night or 11 at night wow and then you have 
then you have to do the fun thing of like flirting with the boys and like hanging out, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's college. That should be taking place. It, it should Thank be you. on the schedule. Exactly. It was on my schedule. <laughs> and then, and then you still have to find time to like read and write the papers you were supposed to write and all that fun stuff. So it was a uh, quite an experience and one that definitely had its perks. Listen, my college experience was different than some because I didn't have to stand in back, you know, back before the internet, right? Because this would have been the 90s, early yeah. 90s. So yeah. I didn't have to stand in line to register for classes. I did. I, didn't, I don't long, even know Lena. what that would be. Right? They were I, long, long and tedious is what they were. <laughs> <laughs> and I never worried, like, would I get the class, right? I, I just went, we would go to our coach's office, we'd fill out the bubble sheet, get hand it to them and somebody would take care of it and we never had any problems wow and the same same thing with books like i remember seeing the lines outside the bookstore there on campus right <laughs> and you might have been standing in the line. i was i was i was like there's lena <laughs> <laughs> because you know the basketball team would just all go together and we'd have these blue cards that we'd walk past the line and just like we were obnoxious admittedly and we'd walk past the lines and just go into the bookstore and hand somebody our card and they'd run around getting our books and then they'd bring them to us and then we'd leave. So there were def <laughs> definitely perks. You're like an NAU the celebrity. You're a lumberjack celebrity <laughs> at that point. Yeah. So there was, there was for sure perks and there was for sure drawbacks because and I figured out that I was making about 84 cents an hour. Oh my gosh. And that's an out-of-state tuition, right? Room and board, books, food, all of it. And I, you know, when I played, there was no WNBA. So it was kind of one of those things where you just say, you know, is this really worth it? What am I going to do with my life? Right? Because yeah. basketball What's... is a game. So you, I just reached a point where I started to have a reality check. And there was a couple other things that led up to that sort of decisioning point. But certainly that, that 84 cents an hour was a big factor. So I'm super excited to hear if the college athletes can make money now because there were many nights that I didn't eat and wondered how I was going to buy toilet paper or shampoo because, you know, wow. uh, you just, if everything's closed and you've practiced beyond that time and you don't have money, you're not going to eat. Plus it was Flagstaff, so, you know, everything closed at 10. <laughs> So very little was open past that time anyway. Oh, of course. Um, I remember so, this yeah. well. So I, I'm excited to see where the sport has gone in terms of, and the, you know, that um, division in terms of letting athletes earn some money if, if they can. I think that's positive. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Especially because I, you know, to me, it's like, well, I don't, I don't know what the reality is, but you're like, it's really incredibly challenging. And I don't think many people know, maybe they do now more so, but it's like, mm -hmm. it is a grind before anybody should have to do a daily grind like that. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, when you get absolutely. out of college and then, you know, you've got a family and you're working like a dog, like, okay, that's supposed to happen after college, but in college that's already happening. It's like, you're going to be burnt out by the time you graduate and not have any gas left to be successful in your career. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's just nuts. So when you knew it was coming, how many years were you at NAU? Two. Two years. Two. And so then how did you transit? It had to be hard to get out of. Like you just told your coach, I'm not coming back. I'm done. 
it wasn't actually hard because the coach that recruited me, we nicknamed her the Silver Fox, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because she had because she had silver hair. She, yeah, she did. Okay, she, did. And she was older, and her my freshman year of college was actually her last year coaching. Oh no. At least at that school. I don't know what happened to her after that. But that was her last year at NAU. And then my sophomore year was Charlie Turner. She, I think she coaches at ASU now. That's what I heard. But that was her first um, head coaching job. Was my sophomore year of college at NAU. Wow. And she's a very good coach. You know, I think she's done well with ASU program. Uh, for me personally, and over the many years, I also ran track. And so I never really actually liked a woman coach. I yeah. Just, I don't know, too much estrogen in the gym. I don't know. I get that. So I didn't like her. She didn't particularly like me. And I had um, sort of a personal crisis that occurred in college that I got zero support for from the coaching staff. So that sort of really pushed me to wrap it all up right and just yeah. call it I'm done with this sport and I'm done with NAU and gotta go yeah deal with my life in a real way so it was it was one of those those life-changing moments where you're like you know what I've got oh, yeah. some, I've got some clarity here that I didn't have before and I know exactly what I need to do to make some changes in my life so that I'm happier yes absolutely absolutely but it all okay. sort of circles around because, as I said, my college roommate, who we started off not liking each other, ended up being best friends. I always, I fully believe people are in your life for a reason, for a purpose, right? Yes. And for her, she and I had so much in common. Um, so she grew up in, in Albuquerque, where I grew up. Um, and she is... Um, half black, half white, and grew up with her mom and her stepdad, who were what, both white. And that from like the time she was like six months old. Wow. So um, for me, we, we look very much the same, right? Yeah. Similar look, except, and I know you know this, so I'll just do this for the benefit of your audience. Yes. <laughs> thank, thank you. Yeah, you, you bet. For me, I, um, up to that point in my life of starting college, um, was told by my family that I was white. And I don't particularly present white, so it wasn't like I, but I don't present like black either, right? I'm kind yeah. of, um, you know, lighter skinned, and but I have this curly hair and all the features, right? It's not, yeah. not a big leap. And so I just, I always knew growing up, like, oh my gosh, why am I different? Like, I used to joke with people. It used to be a whole joke. Remember the Sesame Street when they'd have the four pictures and you'd have to pick which one doesn't belong? Yes. Remember that little game? Yes, had? of course. And I would joke like, ha ha ha, four pictures, guess who doesn't belong and be me, right? And I specifically asked, you know, if I was adopted and like, what, you know, why do I look different? Like, it wasn't like I wasn't aware of the differences but I did the research and genetically you can be white and still have dark skin yeah you know and so anyways I did the research and so I was like okay well it is what it is so I 
So anyways, my best friend and, and I, you know, would have many conversations because we had so, so many similar experiences growing up. Um, it's not so much like it is today. There were a lot of mixed people. It just wasn't the norm, right? Yeah, it just wasn't growing up. Like it is now, it's more the norm. Like I can finally have, find hair products at the regular store for my <laughs> hair, which is awesome. It is, <laughs> it is awesome, but it should have been that way all along. So I know, I know. So um, she and I would have conversations all the time, and and I grew up with my dad. <clears throat> and not with my mom. They divorced when I was about eight, seven, eight, something like that. Anyways, so I really didn't have a, a relationship with my mom. I would see her maybe one one day a year. We lived in the same city, but I would only see her like, I lived with my dad and my stepmom. What age? Eight, from eight forward. Okay. So, you, you know, we had so many conversations and, and she said, you know, have you ever asked your mom? Cause I asked my dad all the time. Constantly. Yeah. Um, and I was like, you know, I never have. So she was like, you should call her. So anyways, at some point I did <laughs> in my sophomore year, I was like, you know what? I am going to call her. I called her and I asked her point blank, like, is my dad really my dad? Cause I don't look like white and I don't look like anybody in the family. And then she told me no. Wow, Lena. And you're a sophomore in college. Yeah. Uh, in tw- what are you, 19? 19 years Nin- old? 19. 19. And I should say I'm really super close with my dad. That's yeah. Me. And so, like, I, I still call him daddy. I mean, like, I'm a daddy's girl totally. Like, yeah. I used to go golfing with them in high school, like things high school girls don't usually do. I would go golfing and we'd go to basketball games and we just, we hung out a lot and we still are very close. Still, Good. I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, totally. And so at any rate, she tells me this news and then kind of told me a story didn't make a lot of sense. <clears throat> so I called her back about a week later and said, that doesn't make sense to me. What's the real story? Then told me another story. Oh, my gosh. And then never really followed up after that, right? Yeah. Uh, like, that was, I, and I really didn't talk to her much. And if I did, maybe I just blocked it out because it was traumatic. I don't know. Right? Of course. That's all I can say. Yeah. And that sort of caused me to just, I mean, finding out your parent isn't your parent and then finding out your ethnicity isn't your ethnicity is at the time, of course, I wasn't really aware of how traumatic it was. Sure. And, you know, I, I definitely was in a depression. I stopped going to class, you know, and this is sort of where the coaching staff, you know, really like, I mean, I remember one time running around doing like conditioning workout and I just like completely fell apart on the track, like, you know, hysterical body crying and there really wasn't like anybody who sort of said oh Lena we need to get you to talk to somebody right yeah some kind of support it's like gosh help and I didn't know that I needed that in retrospect I do right you can look back and say gosh man you could have you could have done that differently if you'd uh yeah (laughs) absolutely (laughs) and so with you know the not going to class and the great suffering and having coaching staff that didn't seem to give a crap and then figuring out how much you make an hour. That's why I left NAU. Yeah. 
I don't blame you. That was, I mean, that's a, <laughs> that's a huge personal crisis. I mean, it's an identity crisis. It's a, I, I mean, it's an ethnicity crisis. I mean, there's so much about it, but, but definitely mm-hmm. such a, and you know, everybody has an identity crisis at some point, but yours is truly like a real deep identity crisis, right? Yeah. This, yeah. this person who I thought, you know, shared DNA with me doesn't one and two, uh, now I'm learning I'm, I'm not white. You know what I, I mean? That's just, a, right. that's a lot. Right. It was, it absolutely was. Goodness. So then what, so then what do you do? What, what, what was your, what was your goal? What, what did you do? What was your path? Well, I knew even at that 19, almost 20 year old self that I wasn't going to have a conversation with my dad who raised me because this felt like it would just be painful and unnecessarily so, right? Because even like I had said, my mom and I really had no relationship and I had such a great one with him and I still have never had this conversation with him. So as we sit here today, we've never, ever discussed it. Really? And your feeling about that is some things are better left unsaid. Yeah. Because, yes, I absolutely, because I don't feel like there would be any value to it. Yeah. What would it serve at this point? I don't and, think it would. And probably it would break his heart because for from his perspective, he's your dad and you're his little girl. And why do we need to mess that up? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, good for you. I don't, you know, I don't think... I don't think that's a common decision that people make when they find out that, you know, parents have not been truthful or somebody's not who they, you know, say, I mean, especially something like that. It's, we kind of go into this, you know, I have a right to know and I have a right to talk to people and I have a right to do this. But for you, it Mm -hmm. was like, you had that clarity to say, "Mm, this isn't going to serve a purpose, so I'm not going to do it. And and really right. prote- protecting his his heart in in mm-hmm. a certain in a certain way, which I think mm-hmm. is is um, is amazing. So, well, yeah, that's that's a very special bond you guys have. It is, and it's he raised my sister, my my older sister as well, and and she knows, and he knows that he's not her dad. My mom was married before she married him, and had my sister, so he raised both of us because I mean my sister only saw my mom once a year too just like me so he raised two girls right that weren't his he really didn't have to and he did it wonderfully and I never like I never felt like a gap right like like I don't have connection or parents or and thankfully he married a really wonderful lady who raised me too my stepmom so she's a great role model and actually really taught me a lot about um, how to be assertive and how to you know, worry so much about everything, like in terms of what people think about you or, or don't think about you, or, and just to really be your own individual independent person. And without her influence, I've, I've actually thought about this quite a bit. I would have had more of my mother's influence. I'm not sure I would be the person I am today. And, and I mean in that in not a good way, like I don't, think her character and some of her life choices have are good or as good yeah and so I just feel like I would have not been who I am today without of course that mother so 
Yeah, that's, that's really, and it's funny. I have a similar feeling about my, well, I've had several stepmothers, but my second stepmother, (laughs) (laughs) you know, um, it's funny because I, her and my dad got divorced when I was probably 19 or 20. And so then I went like 20 years without seeing her, uh, because it's kind of one of those like loyalty things. Like I just, but, but when I saw her again, just recently, and I think it was last year when I, I got to see her again and I thought, oh my gosh, like that's my mannerism or like, oh, I say that too, or I sound like her. Mm -hmm. And so it is one. And I I do feel so grateful um, that she was in, and I, I have a mom and I know who my mom is, but there was something wonderful about, gosh, you hear the stories when you get a stepmom, you know, you saw Cinderella, you know how it can go, (laughs) right? Right. It can get really bad and you hear these horror stories. And so I feel just like you, so lucky that I had this person in my life that was such a significant person Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. had this wonderful character and all these wonderful attributes that you had the pleasure of watching and learning from and maybe even adopting some of. So it's, it's a pretty cool thing when that happens. So I can, I can re I can relate to that experience and how grateful you feel yeah. about and that. And fast forward, right? Now at this phase of my life, rec- the recognition that the people that are most important to me aren't related to me. So right? true. Like by biology, yet they're significant and they've been in a, a, a had an impact and influence in my life in a positive way. So it's pretty amazing, right? So sort of circles back to that um, people in your life for a reason, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's an amazing story. Thank you for telling us that, that backstory. I've heard it before, but I think so many people, when they hear that, they go, wow, you know, and it, it makes people recognize that, sometimes the, like you said, the most significant people in your life are not related to you. And we're we're lucky when when those kinds of people come along and things work out the way they did. I mean, things worked out so well for you in that regard, you know? They have. I've been very fortunate, very blessed in my life. Um, And I also think because of the people in my life, I've learned how to deal with adversity in a way that it's not, I mean, it's not to say that it wasn't traumatic and things were sunshine and roses. I mean, I was in a deep depression. I left college. I couldn't really talk to anybody about it because I wasn't going to talk to my dad who who would have been the person I would have talked to about it. Right. 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 Um, I didn't tell my sister. I didn't tell anybody and I had no relationship with my mom and she just dropped the bomb and then just kind of was like, all right, deuces. Right. I mean, yeah, it's not like I had a peace. Yeah, and you're like, like I had I, any support, so gosh, so it was hard. Difficult. I think through the the athletics and learning how to be resilient, right, and yes. to push yourself maybe farther than you thought you could go. Yes, as well as in that experience of just like I still have to like get a job and like figure out what's next for me. And I think through all that, I've learned to, to handle difficult situations easily, more easily than most, or at sure. least on the surface, it looks that way. Sometimes yeah. it's like a duck, right? <laughs> We're underneath yeah. the surface, I'm paddling, but I, I, I think outwardly, a lot of people don't see it. And right. 
Right. That also then has allowed me to excel professionally because I can deal with very challenging environments and difficult situations and appear to not be freaking out. Yeah. Which allows me to lead people through big transformative change. That's amazing. That's great. I I love that. Yeah. I think I, you know, you and I have that in common where we do, we're very resilient women. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so it's one of those things where people look at us and they're like, oh my gosh, she has it all together. And you're like, (laughs) that is absolutely true. I sure do. And then you're like, they don't need to know. (laughs) (laughs) You're thinking like, uh, I I often joke like, hmm. I could be on like Maury Povich right now. So to have it all together, not really. <laughs> I could definitely, I could be on Maury Povich like next week and I would be the best guest they've had in a long time for sure right now. So oh, funny. That's a good one. That's a good one. All right. So you graduate not from NAU, from where? I didn't. So you, you never graduated. You a non-degree holder. Oh, I can't believe it. That's believe shocking it. to me because you're so incredibly successful. So not in elementary ed. So then when do you get your first, like your first professional job that is in your kind of career? Tell, so talk a little bit about yeah. you leave NAU, you're, you're in this depression, you don't go to class. What, what happens I went to, next? I went back home and I went to UNM for okay. a semester, right? Okay. University of New Mexico. Yeah. And I moved back home and I, let's see, I would have been 94 when it had been the summer of 94. I met my husband that summer. And how'd you guys meet? Like a month after, month or two after I came home. Um, So, okay, it's a funny story. So I was out at a nightclub with somebody else. And hold on, <laughs> a girlfriend or another guy? Another guy. Salacious. Another guy. I, I love I it. Tell me, tell me the story. <laughs> and I, I didn't see him that night. Okay, so I was just doing doing me. Yeah. But I did have on, and I'll never forget this. He loves it. He still teases me about it to this day. I did have on a really, really, really super short dress. Like I couldn't sit down short. <laughs> Because it was, it was the 90s, girl. It was we, the 90s. We had it going on. Exactly. <laughs> but I did, because I knew how short it was. My sister makes clothes, so she made this for me. Yeah. And, um, but it was, I kind of had a long, like, jacket, like, floor, like, ankle length kind of jacket that was open in the front. But, you know, so I was sort of covered, sort of not. But that right. was very fashionable back then. But he, he teases me about it, that I like to wear capes and it's kind of a thing. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so uh, fast forward, I'm working in the mall. Uh, this guy comes up and asks me for my number. And I was in the phase of not giving out my number. So I was like, no, <laughs> you can give me your number. Good and he did. You. And I looked at him and was like, okay, I have, I don't want anything to do with this person so they walked him and his friend walked away and I threw the number in the trash and on the other side of this my husband had seen me out at the club earlier in the week or the week before and this was his friend asking me out and he had told his friend if she doesn't call you in a week I'm gonna call her I'm gonna come back and ask her out and of course I threw the number away so I didn't call (laughs) he comes back and asked me out and I still didn't give him my number I I just took his 
But yeah. I took two jobs because I was working in a daycare in the day and I was oh, working, geez. you know, over on the weekends at this lingerie store. And so it took me a couple of weeks to call him, but we set up a date, but I was super busy. So it was like scheduled out. And then my sister convinced me to go out to a club like on a Tuesday night back in the day. Remember those were, oh, like, yeah. big club nights, right? Oh, heck yeah. <laughs> and so we get in, we were waiting in line and uh, this guy says that we can cut. And sure enough, it's my husband who oh, I was going to have the date with. Wow. In the future. And he tell, to him, to, for him to tell it, it was like, um, why are you out when we could be out, right? Oh, that's great. <laughs> so anyways, we went on our first date and, and you know. The rest is history. Yeah. 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 That's so great. And so your first, you were how old when you first went on a date with him? 20. And then when did you guys get married? Um, This would have been 94. We got married in 95. So very shortly thereafter. So about a year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so you're still working or did you, at this point, did you get a job outside of the mall? Did you stick with the preschool? Cause that's your elementary education, right? That's what you want to get into, which is why you're at the preschool. Right. So, um, no, his sister, um, actually helped me get a job at a paging company. So now I'm really dating myself, right? From a (laughs) girl, girl, if he's got a pager, you better hit him up. (laughs) So I, I worked at a paging company and I just did like, you know, you walk in and you need to pay your bill or fix your phone or fix your pager. I was, I was the person you talked to and that's how I started. And that evolved into like, eventually doing sales and I like had a territory and I go cold call people and you know drive around with my little briefcase on my suit with a briefcase full of pagers right and go oh deliver pagers gosh. around Albuquerque so that's sort of how how it went that's wild yeah. so you're you're married to him and you're doing this this sales rep type of job yeah and I, okay. I also then had my daughter right so uh, before I turned 22 I, of course, got married. And then yeah. my stepdaughter, she was six when I met my husband. And wow. then I had my daughter. So I was I'm married with two kids before my 22nd birthday. Crazy. So Crazy. going back to school wasn't really in the cards because I had to, you know, help. We, we had two kids. We had to pay the bills. Absolutely. And you're 22. And if you think back, what was your level of overwhelm? Like, Oh my, I'm drowning in this. Like how, how am I doing this at this age? Or because you've got that mental toughness, the resiliency we talked about, you were like, this is just what you do. It, it was more of the, the latter. This is what you do. I, you couldn't tell me nothing when I was that age. <laughs> I, my dad and I have actually talked about it. Like, and he's told me some things I've said and I'm like, Oh my God, I said that. And he's like, you did. And I mean, you could tell me nothing. I just, I had so the true. whole world figured out and I knew exactly yep. how it was all going to be. Yeah, that's me too. <laughs> same, 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 same. So this is your first job, and and what did you what did you like about that sales job? I was I'm I was really good at sales, and it wasn't that stressful for me. Like I okay. don't have a problem like asking people for things, and if they say no, then then they say no. I don't. It's not like a personal offense, which a lot of yeah. people in sales, you know, have a hard time because they don't like rejection. I was very successful at it. It didn't 
hurt that, you know, I'm tall and I was at that point younger and thinner and, you know, <laughs> hey, it all, you got to use what you got. And, and Well, and see, they can't, again, this is why we should have video on the podcast. You're gorgeous. So oh, they don't know you. this. You are beautiful. <laughs> so yeah, I'm certainly, you're walking in with pagers and men are like, how many can I get? Oh yeah. <laughs> and it's not that I had to throw anything around or I wasn't no, appropriate. No, or of, of course not. not. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. You you are not that type of person. I don't see that <laughs> at all. So so what was the worst part of, of that job, if anything? Uh, when I quit is because, you know, you're you're driving around in your car wearing and carrying it, right? Yeah. And they they changed the the base salary. To something like I don't know it was like it wasn't you know just back in the 90s so it was a good paying job when it was 28,000 yeah and then they changed it to like 12 and changed the commission structure and Jeez. so I, I knew even at that phase and I shouldn't have quit my job okay so at this point my husband is a full-time student right because he's getting his degree yeah we have the two kids and I just said you know I'm out I'm not going to do this anymore this isn't worth my time and you can see a pattern here right between basketball and and I just said, you know, I'm gonna work at Taco Bell. Honestly, I don't need. Yeah, to. yeah. I don't need it, so I quit and I didn't have a job. <laughs> and so um, that let me to work. I I can say the company because they don't exist anymore. I worked for MCI for three days. I went part time, <laughs> and. Uh the third day was the day they took you out to the telemarketing floor. And what I saw was so not within my, my personhood, my, my character, my morals to participate in that. I was one of those people you hear stories, right. Of people that just leave at breaks or lunch or whatever, and yeah. never call, never quit, never come back that I did that. Yeah, I was just like, I, I am out of here. And I did, again, no job, no income, baby needs formula, all of it. And so anyways, I remember I was sitting in my house, feeling, having a pity party. And my stepmother called me and she said, oh, there's this ad in the paper for a sales job and it pays really well. It's supposed to be like $55. You know, this is like 1996, 97. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And so I was like, yeah, they probably don't. They just like to say that for sales jobs just to try to get you in the door. And of she's course. like, well, you should apply. I'm going to come pick you up and we're going to go to Kinko's and you can fax over your resume because again, this is like <laughs> that's, so. <laughs> that's how we did it. That's how we did it. And my dad had a fax machine. Paper. Yeah. yeah it, I'm telling you. And that's yeah. what I did after I got out of college. I would get the paper and you'd go through and you'd look at all the ads and you'd say, okay. And then you'd start faxing your resume, right? You, you get go. your cover you letter go. and you're faxing, you're faxing. You were, and oh, that, man. That job was really the starting point for my career, really. So that was with the phone company at you know, in, in Albuquerque was US West, right? And still yeah. in Arizona too. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, was just a call center representative. And um, when you called to order your phone line for your new house or add call waiting or caller ID or change your long distance carrier or ask a question about your bill, you'd get Lena. And a lot of people didn't know, nor did I until I worked there, that that's a sales job. So every time I 
got you to add call waiting or change your long distance carrier or whatever, I made commission and I made a lot of money. (laughs) I made a lot of money and it was so much fun. And that's great. I, I even went on strike on that job because I was a union member. And so wow. I walked the picket line in 98. That's um, crazy. Yeah, it was a life experience for sure. It was a life experience for sure. That's amazing. So what was the most, like in these early, this early phase of your career, what was the most challenging part? I mean, you've got, you know, two kids. So I assume there's some balancing going on. Your husband's yeah. working. Like what was the most challenging part of your early career? Was it career problems and issues or was it more like, gosh, this is a lot with two kids? The biggest challenge was the balance and the reality of that. Right. I think we, at least for me, I, I can't speak for anyone else. I grew up with like that. You can have it all sort of mentality. Right. Absolutely. Yes. And that's sort of a fallacy. It is. You actually can't have it all. And so like, when my daughter was seven, she made me a um, Mother's Day card, like, you know, stapled some paper together and made it like a little book. Yeah. And at that point, the US West had changed to Quest and they had this little like swish symbol for Quest. And every single page of that thing had something to do with the phone company on it. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Which and she means was, she's she's like part of your job, part you know, partially that's yeah. how I take that, but I know that's probably not how you saw it. That's not how I saw it, right? So then I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, you're crying, you're like a horrible parent. And Aww. along the way, there's like all those conversations, right? I mean, yes. you know, where the kids are like, you're never home and you can't do this and I can't go to the, I'm not a home a housewife, so I don't, I can't go to the game at three. I'm in, I'm at work. I can't take you to practice for whatever sport or thing at 4 p.m. because I'm working. It's it's not an option. So there were lots of conversations about like, well, do you like your room and do you like your toys and do you like the food you eat? And You know, the guess what? There's a real cost to this and that's why I have to work. And, you know, when I have, I've lost my job along the way and had to tell the kids, guess what? I took a pay cut. You're, you're pay cut. You're taking a pay cut too. So their pay yeah. cut was to zero, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so this is the reality of, of yeah. you know, being a working mother you, and wife being, you know, there's long days, long yeah. days. I think my worst was in Denver. We lived in Denver and I had to leave the house at, 40, no, 6.45. I don't know. It was Goodness. dark and it's cold in Denver. Oh, and my, yeah. my oldest, I had to leave at the bus at the bus stop in front of our apartment complex in the dark, sub, sub, you know, zero temperatures. Yeah. And because the bus didn't come for 15 minutes. But if I didn't leave at 6.45, I wasn't going to make it. Yeah, of course. Because of course. I had a, a daycare that was open really late because I, at that point in my career, I was a trainer which kind of ties back to the education piece. So I did corporate training and um, I would have to stay right until late to like check their work and make sure that I had the curriculum set for the next day. And you know, all that stuff that you do when you're teaching. Yeah, of course. So uh, my commute was two hours. 
oh, way every day. God, to be kidding. No. I don't remember a lot about, I think the worst part, to, to circle back, I don't remember a lot about how did I get up and like take a shower and put on makeup and like have my clothes ironed and feed the girls um, breakfast and get anywhere on time ever. I yeah. struggle now and I'm just getting myself ready. <laughs> <laughs> no, it so is. I, I was learned. Like, I don't know how I did it. I know I did. I just don't remember the, the details of it all. I know. I don't need, I mean, there was a time where I was, you know, I was on a plane flying to LA for a photo shoot at 6am and I had gotten my kids ready and up and dropped them off at, at daycare and, mm-hmm. and then gone to the airport. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was bananas. And I look back and go, I, I just don't know how I did it, but you don't have a choice. So you just do right. it, but it's yeah. a blur. You don't have any concrete memories. And that's, I, I think all parents have a hard time remembering like exactly like what, God, what was it like to, to raise that child? Or what was that? You know, what was mm-hmm. the time we spent? You can't remember. And sometimes that's the hardest thing. And I'm not sure anybody can remember, but if you're a working mom, like you and I were, it's, it's hard not to say, man, maybe I don't remember it because I was working so hard, but probably mm-hmm. it's just because it was hectic, it was hectic yeah. and we were surviving, yeah. but well, and we know that your daughter was not traumatized by being out at the bus stop. No. She's very successful. <laughs> <laughs> Just so the listeners know, she's fine. She turned out okay. It was probably good Both for of her. them have turned out wonderful. Yes, they're, exactly. They're living their lives and being very, very, very successful. Adults, very so. successful. <laughs> so when you're in Denver, where are you working at that point? Because uh, you said curriculum. But what do you yeah. mean by curriculum? So at that point, after having, you know, been in as a call center rep, and then I was asked to lead a sales team, which I did. That was interesting because just a little, little tidbit, my very first management experience, um, I had like a team of 13 and 10 of the 13 employees had worked at the phone company longer than I'd been alive. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So to put it nicely at 23 now, I moved pretty quickly from call center rep to manager. So I've been managing for a really long time now. But at 23, 24, to be telling people how they should do their job, and they're looking at me like, um, what? Yeah, it you're was, you're old enough to be my daughter, so back off. Yeah, it was a challenge, to put it nicely. But I learned a lot through those experiences as a trial by fire. So then I ended up being a trainer and um, – it wasn't a short training program at the time. It was 22 weeks, which is really long. The phone uh, business is very complicated, more than you would expect. And so, you know, when you have adults in a learning environment for, what, four months? Right. It's basically like running a classroom, right? Okay. Makes adults, sense. Adults, I mean, I think you've probably seen this. I, I at least did in my experience. Adults revert back to the childhood behaviors they had because as humans we sort of revert back to when was the last time I was in this environment and that would have been school for most and then they fall back into those behaviors really rapidly yeah (laughs) very true so yeah so it was a set curriculum right that we had to follow and um, prepare lessons and check their work and just kind of like you would do in school with the program that long because it was a pass fail. If you didn't graduate and pass the class, you'd lost your job. Yeah. It was very serious. Wow. 
Well, that's amazing. So you're 23 or 24 doing that. And then how long did you stay at that company or in that position? I was there about nine years. And the final thing that I left that company for was I'd actually kind of worked myself out of a job. So I kind of changed jobs in that company like every two, three years. So after training, I actually ended up doing some vendor management where, you know, the company had hired vendors to do the contact center work. And I was the manager of a couple of different vendors and the vendors um, basically were, were hired to as a contract negotiation, right? So that essentially it was leverage. I mean, to put it very bluntly, right. In terms of the vendors being able to outperform the internal employees Right, And that would be used as part of that year's negotiation. And so my vendors significantly outperformed the internal. And the agreement that year was that the company would get rid of the vendors. And so I worked myself out of a job because I did too good. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Net, net. I didn't want to move again. At this point, I'd moved to Phoenix. And the girls were in school, you know, elementary school and middle school. And... It's like, you know, I'm not going to move again with the kids. That this, this would have been the fourth move. And so I just took a package and left. Wow. And how old are you at this point? Maybe late 20s, early 30s, maybe 30. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. So I ended up working for somebody who I worked with at the phone company who I worked for at the phone company and opened a contact center in Mexico. Wow. Um, So I would travel back and forth to Mexico, which was fun. And hiring in Mexico is so different than hiring in the States. So it was really an experience and just figuring out like, how do you get cubicle equipment and Dell computers across the border? Right. How do you get systems and um, just taking a warehouse and building a contact center from nothing. But I had all the, remember, I had all the telephony knowledge at this yeah, point. Yeah, so of course. It's not, it wasn't as daunting as it sounds. <laughs> and where, like where in Mexico were you, I mean, were you traveling by car? How are you getting there? No, it was just a flight. Um, okay. It's an hour flight in uh, Sonoma, in okay. the state of Sonoma. So it wasn't, it wasn't far. And my experience was very Americanized. It was um, a lot, just like here. Yeah. Really. Interesting. Except they had siestas, which I love, and we should adopt in the so, state. So tell us, for those people that don't know, everybody knows siesta means nap, but explain the cultural phenomenon that is the siesta, and what are the logistics of it? So, I mean, you pretty much start your day like we do, right, 7, 8 o'clock, and then around 1231, okay. you'd have a two-hour block of time, right? Wow. So that's the siesta. And so you eat a bigger meal, you have a little downtime, and then you go back to the office and finish up your day. Um, so people are leaving. The they're leaving the office at 1230. Yeah. Going home. Or going out to eat or, I'm just, you know, I, certainly for me, I would, we were going out to eat. I yeah. would have a huge meal and eat way too much and then 
You mean I will not doctor dodge. <laughs> but where are you sleeping? You can't take a nap in the restaurant. So where are you going? You're going back you just to go the back to your hotel. Yeah. And then take a nap. People would go home and have lunch with their families. Right? I love and it. I love it. So it was it was a very different culture, right? Where it was more focused on that. And you could or, you know, people could run errands or do whatever they have to do to live their life. Yeah. And exactly. they have the space to do it. It's just a better work-life balance, right? You get to take care of yourself and connect with your family. And yeah, it's... Now, on the flip side, they work a little later because they took that two hours. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. And and the dinner meal isn't as big or where the focus is. It's more at the lunch time. Yeah. Which is probably healthier if you think about it, right? Exactly. (laughs) Let's eat a bunch of food and then go right to sleep for eight hours. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Makes sense. Good job, America. Good job. (laughs) So your, your current job is very much related to what you've done for how many years now? Yeah, shoot. I don't even want to say over 20, right? (laughs) Over 20. And so now what is your actual title? So I am a senior VP, lead contact centers and complaints. And um, it keeps me very busy. Some analysis teams. So it's all, all in the same vein. And I'd say the thing that has been consistent, no matter where I've worked or what I've done, is serving customers. And that's sort of been the guidepost in any job. I've learned over the years, I, if it's not doing that, I'm not going to be happy doing it. Like, I don't want to just, you know, do an analysis and not have any customer interface. So the customer piece is first and foremost for me um, and making sure that where I can influence it, that the organization is doing as much as we possibly can to make that customer experience good and positive. And even when it's hard operationally to execute, I have said many times, I don't really care that it's hard for us. We're A, not going to let the customer know that and B, we're going to do it well. Yeah. So that they have a positive interaction with us. It certainly sounds like the key to success, right? (laughs) It has worked well for me. It has worked well for me. So as, as we've talked about, right. So non-degree holder, I'm a senior VP of a major corporation in the United States. Yeah. Running sizable organization. I think my, my team, it's not the biggest I've ever managed. It's complex. In nature. So I have about 250 people stateside and then offshore as well. I have people, uh, not, like I said, not the biggest. I've managed thousands of people before. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I'm i not, I would say not typical in the, my path to success because, right. But it's worked people, for you. I mean, it, it worked for you and it's been a pretty, I feel like point A to point B where you haven't been changing a bunch of careers and a bunch of industries and you've kind no. of honed your skill set in this particular vein. And so you've gotten all this experience and been able to build on experience that you've had previously, right? So it makes you a huge asset. Yeah, it has. And, you know, the reality is I get asked sometimes like, you know, what was this plan or the strategy and, and you know, I people ask you, like, where do you want to be in five years? And, like, I've never had a plan, Trisha, <laughs> to be perfectly <laughs> it honest. It sounds like you have planned this out precisely. You no, have not, is what you're saying. There's no I've plan. Never, ever. Even as I sit here today, if somebody would say, in three years, what job do you want to have? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. 
I don't have like a certain level I'm trying to get to or a certain job I'm trying to go after. It's all been very organic just in terms of like what aligns with what I want to do and what is good for the company I'm working for. And if those two things intersect, then it's, it's been a win-win. That's amazing. Well, good. And the last, like, I don't know, 10 years or more, 12 years, I haven't applied for any of the jobs I have had. I've been. You're just asked. getting them because of your performance mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how, and how you manage and lead your teams. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, and that's just evidence that you're doing a great job, right? Yeah. So Would it's, you, and it's fun. You know, you can have work. I always tell people you can have work fun. It's not fun. Like you're not at work, but it'll still be fun. Yeah. Well, you better find a way to do it. Cause if it's not, you're going to be dying yeah. slowly every day. Like most people are. Yeah. I mean, you know, I always tell people, you know, you're not chained to the desk here. So if you're really that miserable, it's okay to go find something that you're not miserable at. Yeah. And it's not to say that even people who have jobs that they love doesn't mean that there aren't moments where you're like, oh my God, this is, you know, the worst thing ever. Yeah. Of course it ebbs and flows, but you know, I don't know about you. I spend a lot of time at work. So by God, I better enjoy it. I yeah. Better, I better find something about it that I can get fired up about in a good way. And yes. Feel passionate about and feel fulfilled by. Yes. Absolutely. Because you, you don't need it to suck the life out of you. That's, right. that's not the point. Why, why sacrifice all the things I shared about the, the kids and the struggles and the, yeah. Why, why would I do that? Yeah. No, it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't make any sense. Cause you've, right. you know, you're losing out on stuff and you need to still be feeling like you're making an impact, you know what I mm-hmm, mean? Mm-hmm. And doing something meaningful that fills you up and makes you feel valued and like you're contributing to society in a positive way, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So and, you're, oh, go ahead. go ahead. No, you go. No, I was going to say, you know, and just coming back to the sort of thing that I left college for in terms of just who I am. And I, even though I definitely feel like my mom and and my parents in general sort of just kind of let me down. Like, I feel like culturally some things were missing for me. Right. Like, yeah. Um, on the flip side, that has also been an advantage. Right. So I can, I think I can understand perspective better on both ends of it, just from my own experiences um of being a black woman in america but also not yeah (laughs) well you've had because you're the dad who's raised you is black or white white and your stepmom was also white your biological mom white but your biological father black so when you say you've missed out on things culturally, you didn't have a, a black, you know, grandmother teaching you, Mm-mm. you know, kind of, this is how we do things. This is what it means right. for you. This is right. And, and how difficult must it been when you were a teenager and you're like, what do I do with this hair? Like nobody knew what oh to say gosh. or do for you. Right. What a hot mess my hair was. You have no idea. And, and, and I like not knowing how or why I'm, things are happening to me that aren't happening to anybody else. Like, yeah. I mean, 
the first time I was called the N-word was I was in third grade. And I was like, who are you talking about? Oh, my gosh. It's not that I had never heard the N-word, right? I have a whole you white knew. family who uses that word. Some of them used it regularly. <laughs> not in a good way. <laughs> not in a good way. No, it's it's rarely that word is used in a good way, unless we're singing a song and, you know. Right. Oh, you and I are and friends. I always told my kids that's the only time they could say those words. Is yeah. Singing along to a song, then it's appropriate and you should. If it's a dope um, beat, yeah, if it's a dope beat, you can say it. Right. Exactly. So but, at any rate, it was very confusing. It was very confusing to put it kindly. However, again, trying to turn what could be, you know, I could walk around with an attitude and with a you know, woe is me. Rather, I leverage those experiences and, and just knowledge in a way that allows me to move in different groups. Yeah. Effectively. Yeah. And I think that's it. You're, you're a chameleon of sorts. You can live in both yes. worlds and be comfortable. Yes. And your For husband, sure. your husband is uh, fully black. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So you, you kind of have very much both of those experiences. And yeah. have you shared some of those, the kind of that African-American, the cultural aspects of that? Has your husband been able to share that with your girls? Absolutely. And with me. Yeah, um, so that's really that's cool. Really amazing, right? Um, yeah. For Very sure. cool. Very yeah. cool. So best part of your current job, what's the most rewarding thing about your job? The best part is what really sort of gets me excited every day is helping other leaders maximize their potential and then seeing them execute and operate in a way that leads them to success. And so when they're successful, then I'm successful. And so that is where I like to spend my time. Yeah. That's really cool. And you're giving them the skills and the tools to make an impact in other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's got to be amazing. What's the yeah. most challenging? The most challenging is probably the sheer volume of work and requests. I, I, I've decided that with our work tools like instant messaging and email and all these things, um, that we're in an instant gratification sort of work culture, right? Where yes. people will send you an instant message and they'll be like, hey, quick question. And then they write it out and what they're really asking for is like a full research project that requires <laughs> you to do data analysis and like go pull reports and do all this stuff. And you're like, that's not a quick question. And then they like irritated that you can't just turn on a dime and like five minutes later have an answer for them. Or they'll send you an email. And if you don't respond in 24 hours, right, they're like, hey, I sent you an email. And you're like, yeah, I know. I got it. Trust me. I'm working on it along with a thousand other emails I got exactly. yesterday. I think yeah. that's the worst thing right now. That's true. Honestly. Yeah. Technology has been a, a blessing and a curse for all of yeah. us. And in that instant gratification, that's the part of technology that really can be problematic. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So if we take a step back from your career and we say, okay, you've had this really great career. And I would say, well, gosh, you've probably not have any, had any 
real challenging personal events in your life, other than this, you know, crisis that you learned about when you were 19, that your dad wasn't your dad. Have there been any other like personal challenges where you're like this time period of my life was so difficult and it wasn't because of my career. It was because of what was going on in Mm. my personal life. Have you had any, anything like that? Or have you been just lucky that things have kind of been status quo while you were raising the girls and everything was going well? I've been very fortunate. I, I mean, I did forget how old I was when I was 27 because I already thought I was 28 because <laughs> I was on that much of a grind that I couldn't even remember my own age. Yeah. You're like, so, I feel old. The point is I feel I old. It doesn't I matter do. if I'm 35. I feel like I'm 49. I felt like I was 50 when I was like 30. Because <laughs> you're working and I so hard. Feel like now I'm feeling more like my actual age where most of my life I felt much older than my actual chronological age. So that's interesting. I'll say more recently though, I've had some weird experiences in work situations really like, I'm like, what year is this? So interesting. we we did a team builder in wine country and California wine country or Arizona Mm -hmm. wine country? Okay, California California wine country. And so I'm, you know, with my coworkers and um, I'm sitting there having a glass. I have my purse, my big old huge purse. You've seen it, you know. (laughs) It is huge. It's a big, (laughs) I mean, it's a beautiful bag, but it is massive. (laughs) (laughs) And I have a glass of wine and I'm sitting by a fireplace. Yeah. Enjoying the environment. And this lady walks up and asks me if I work there. Now, I do recognize I'm the only black person anywhere, even remotely in the even shouting distance, right? There's yeah. nobody. And I just thought, you know, why would she think I work here? I don't right. look like I work here. I'm not running around doing anything. I'm sitting here with a glass of the wine. Yeah. I'm the least likely. Let's use some <laughs> deductive reasoning here. Sitting down, purse, glass of wine, not a worker. Yes. yes. And so, you know, there was a few little things like that while we were on this trip. And, and I realized that my coworkers are completely oblivious to it. Because they're not having that experience, right? Their experience is very different than mine. And so we got into a discussion about it. And I was like, you all don't see the microaggressions that happen all yeah. the time, right? Yeah. And they can't because they're, they, they see the world through their lens and I see the world through mine and, and our lived experiences are different. It was important to me to share that with them because maybe a year, not, not even a year, maybe three or four or five months prior at this same group of people, you know, we were just sitting around after a long day of meetings and having a drink out and everybody was sharing about their backgrounds and so it got to me and I said, you know, I'm mixed black and white. And <clears throat> my boss goes, oh, you're a mulatto. And I was like, oh my God, it's 2019. What? And I was like, in, you know, like in that split second, I'm having this whole internal conversation. Like, did he really just say that? Yeah. And it's 2019. And did he really just say that? And then what do I do? Right. So I, and I had only been working for him for a month maybe wow and I pointed my finger across the table now and I don't know any of these people I'm the new one to this group they all worked together <laughs> before and yeah I, I point my finger across 
at the table and stretch out my arm. And I point to him and I say, don't you ever say that again. And the whole table goes silent. <laughs> They're just looking, you know, like. <gasps> like oh the gas. my gosh. And, and oh he my goes, gosh. And, and he, he said he didn't know that that was a bad word. And I was just like, I don't know. And, you know. But I, so I'm Even gonna... with all my success, I didn't go to HR. I didn't do anything. Because you have to, like, you make a calculated decision at that point, like, career suicide what am I doing what do I do you know yeah well and I have to be honest so I heard this story when we were building the gingerbread houses Mm -hmm. and I don't know if you remember what I said to you but I said oh my gosh Lena I've used that word before Mm. and I said can you tell me why it's bad? And you explain. So can, can you explain it again? Yeah. Because I think it's important that we, that we understand why it's not just that you shouldn't say it, but let me explain to you why that yeah. is a bad thing to say. So go ahead. So it stems from slavery times right in the South. And yes, a lot of mixed race people were because some slave master was sleeping with the slaves, right? And of course. Being mixed race, you were going to be in the house, mostly, or more in closer proximity to white people. Yeah. And typically, um, being of mixed race, you know, hair is a little bit different. It's not as mixed race women specifically being desired by the slaveholders and being hated by their wives. So that term was used specifically to call out this group of, of mixed race people that are still black, right? According yep. to the rules that are, you know, established. Yes. But a little different, but it's it's not a good term. And right. typically uh, a mulatto woman specifically was going to be the first to be raped, the first to be abused, the worst you could get, the wow. worst you could be. Wow. So it's just a really derogatory term. And, and I've heard, uh, similarly, Trisha, I've heard other people say, well, I've used it or, um, you know, other people of mixed race have used it about themselves. And what I say to those people is, well, there's a lot of Black people that use the N-word. That doesn't make it good. Right. Exactly. Right? It doesn't make it acceptable whether they use it for you to use it and maybe they shouldn't be using either. And that's a whole different topic for a whole different day. Right. Nonetheless, because a month later after my boss used it, another coworker who wasn't at that event the month prior, again, just getting to know each other, we were talking and then she other adversity in my life. I really hadn't had any. Yeah. It didn't really happen until more recently. And you're thinking, what's even happening? Like we're getting, we're getting more aware. We're getting more educated. We're starting to learn like, okay, this is how you talk and this is how you relate. And these are things you don't say. And this is why you don't say them. And so you're sitting here going, uh, why are we having so much trouble now? Why am I being, uh, you know, approached or communicated with this way now? It seems very antiquated and outdated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I could, I could understand why that would be a huge shock to you, especially because you're like so successful too. And you kind of probably feel like, God, I've really done my time and like proven myself and Mm -hmm. maybe feels like some of that's being taken away or something. Well, it didn't actually feel like that to me, like something's being taken away. I just felt like singled out, singled out. Yeah. Singled out. And 
I don't know in retrospect, like if there was just a real level of ignorance there and you'd think to your point, right? All this time forward, right? It's 20, 2019, 2020, whatever that um, people would be more aware and educated. And what I think I'm coming to the conclusion is, is that because again, you only know what you know through your own experiences. It's not an excuse, it's just ignorance is alive and well. I guess that's yeah. the summation. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I think that we get lazy and we think, well, yeah, I may be ignorant about that, but I don't really have the time to mm. be educated on everything. So I just, you know, well, yeah, I'll just plead ignorance. It's like, I didn't know, but it's, that's not okay. Right. We, we have right. a, we have an obligation to treat people respectfully, to communicate with them respectfully, because that's how we want to be communicated with. So it's right. kind of one of those things where it's like, listen, you wouldn't like it if, this was happening. So educate yourself. Right. Uh, you know, and as you know, as you know, I have two disabled boys and it's kind of the same thing. I'm constantly educating people because I have to say, yeah, you can't, you know, even today, somebody's like, oh, well, your boys are handicapped. I said, okay. Yeah. So we, we just call them disabled. No. And I said, no big deal. Like I'm not offended, but I want you to use the right terms just because exactly. you'll feel better. And the people you're talking about will feel better. And that's all I said. Like I wasn't upset. It was one of those things where it's like, let me educate you real fast. It just takes a quick second. And some days though, I'm sure, uh, at least for me, I don't know if you feel the same. It's exhausting. And you just feel like, why is this my job? <laughs> Make yeah. sure you know this stuff. App- like, Absolutely. It's not my responsibility to bring you up to speed all the time. And exactly. so that, that is sort of how I think it feels for a lot of people, right? Yes. Um, you know, take just five minutes and just Google what's the appropriate term. <laughs> just or it Google won't even it. take you five minutes. Yeah. Like, Google no, it. Well, exactly. Dang, you don't even have to march down to the... Uh, library anymore. We just Google it. Yeah. It's not on, it's not, it's not on microfilm. It's right here. It's right here. So because we've, we've been hanging out, you and I kind of are, you know, our kids are grown, so we're not, we're not mothering little kids. And so you're an empty nester actually, which I'm, I'm jealous because my boys are still at home and I would love (laughs) for them to leave. But I know that you have girls and usually moms and girls are a little bit closer. I I mean, I'm, I'm close with my boys, but they don't want to hang out with me where your daughters, right. you actually hang out with them. So yeah. what, what has been kind of the, the hardest part about being an uh, empty nester? Hard. That's sometimes it's in the beginning, it's been a while, obviously, but yeah. How, how many the, years the, it's been probably five years. Uh, how many years? I, I got to do quick math here. <laughs> or, uh, or long math. It's, it's okay. Been like, it's been like eight. Oh gosh. Okay. So you've been doing it a while. So you may not yeah. remember, but, but what well, is no, it? In that's... the beginning it was super quiet and like, nobody's asking me for dinner yeah, or this or that. And in the beginning it was like, I wonder if my husband and I are really going to like each other. <laughs> like I was nervous about that. It's hard. And it's hard. The good news is we did. We good. still liked each other. So that was positive. Uh, there's more positive than negative. I'm, I'm just going to say. Good for you. <laughs> I want honesty. <laughs> I I got my own room finally. Like I have a whole room in the house that is just mine and mine alone, which was the first time ever once the kids left that that happened. Oh so, man, so good. I mean, the little things, right? Like uh, that was a huge thing. I remember like, oh my gosh, this is like the best thing ever. I have a whole room and I can tell my husband he can't come in 
Yeah. You know, I and mean, I can, I, I can put anything in there. I want, I can do anything in there. I want, nobody's yeah, going to mess it up. It's going to exactly. be that way. When I leave, it's going to look the same as when I come back. Yeah. And I mean, you know, as a mother, you just have no personal space ever. None. So, um, that was a big win. Like I honestly, that's like still the biggest thing. I still, I'm sitting in my room right now and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> good for you've earned it dang it you have earned yeah. that room that is so funny so you're you've got this great career your girls are very successful you're married you've got two very cute dogs yeah. uh, a beautiful house I mean Lena you have it all what else could you possibly want like what are you what are you looking forward to in this kind of I don't know are you 50 yet no no okay you and I are 70 what year were you born 73 uh, 74. I'm at, about to turn 48. Like, okay. Tomorrow. So you're a year younger than me, but you know, it's kind of this, I don't know. I don't want to say the late stage, but this next kind of chapter you've raised yeah, your kids absolutely. and what are you looking forward to? What are you hoping happens? I, we know you don't have plans. You don't plan things out. They just happen wonderfully <laughs> for you, <laughs> which makes us not like you, but I, I still like you a little bit. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm super freaked out about retirement. Like I've calculated it. <laughs> I I googled okay so this is funny I googled like okay the actuaries right for white women and black women and then took an average to figure out how old am I gonna potentially live to so I can figure out how much money I have to have to retire and what what age I can retire and so that's probably my biggest sort of like oh I still have to work like 20 years yeah like, I know we're close to retirement <laughs> No, me neither. Me neither. And and that's really hard because you're like, I mean, I, I'm kind of wanting to slow down and do some fun stuff. And then you're like, I have to work another 20 years. Are you freaking kidding me? It yes. never ends. Exactly. But you've already worked 20 plus years. Yeah. I mean, I started working when I was 21 out of college, 21. Mm-hmm, I got a job mm-hmm. in advertising. And so I've worked 27 years and now I have yeah. another 20 to go. It's defeating. It is defeating. It is. On the fun side, though, I'd like to do more traveling. I haven't done a lot of it over the years, just like, you know, because of the grind you're on. And so for for me, that would be something I'm looking forward to. Where's your where's your first stop? Where are you going first? Oh, I don't know. I think we're. I've never been to Hawaii. So I think we're thinking about doing something there. And we'd love to go to Europe. I've never been to Europe either. Yeah. Um, so. You've got some things in the world. We've works. got a lot of places we could go, right? So that's, that's kind of the fun part. That's right. It's wide open. It is wide open. Totally. Well, good. I, I, I'm, I'm sure that you will have uh, all the adventures that you want to have, even if you Absolutely. don't have a plan for those adventures, because things without a plan work for you. So <laughs> <laughs> I know, as I said, I'm one of those rare people that um, it has. It and has that's been. awesome. That's great. It's yeah. so good. It's good to yeah. know, because I think some people are like, I have to have a plan. No, actually, you don't. Sometimes it works out even when you don't have a plan. So, yep, yep, it can. It definitely can. I try not to plan. My work life is so planned and scheduled. On my personal life, I try not to plan anything. I just want to be (laughs) free and spontaneous and just whatever happens will happen. Absolutely. (laughs) No, I I agree. I agree. I think that's, that's definitely been the way it's worked out for you. So why change it if it's working? Right. Exactly. 
All right. Last question. And it's my favorite because it's music. This whole podcast oh. should be about music. We could have talked about music, Lena, couldn't we? Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. The, Lena, I have to tell my, my the listeners how uh, impressed I was with you when we karaoke'd. Because, <laughs> I, I mean, I'm not, I don't want to toot my own horn, Lena, but I'm like a, a music expert and so when you came over I was like all right you know let's we're gonna sing some karaoke but you kind of showed me up that night because (laughs) I'm a I'm a big Mary J Blige fan and so I was saying to you like oh we gotta sing sweet thing and you're like Mary J Blige that's not her song and I'm like right what what are you you stop lying right now. <laughs> You're like, listen. So you, I think you love music as much as I do. I do. I love it. And I love all kinds of music. I, I play the cello and I, music is just a big part of my life. It always has been. I've Mine too. played the cello since I was nine. So Wow. And I saw classical- it when I was over at your house yeah. and it's beautiful. It's a beautiful cello. Thank you. And so you practicing? From a standpoint, I am practicing at, you know, I, it's something I, I moved away from for a long time, just with the work and everything. And now that I have nobody here bugging me, children wise, <laughs> I have the time, right? It, yes. Again, it, it takes time. So it's amazing. Like you'll do, I'll, I'll pick it up and play something and, and I'll remember all of a sudden how to read these notes or how to play the notes. And it's, it's actually pretty exciting because it's still in the brain. Yes. You just have to sort of get your muscle memory and your, your sort of, um, hand eye coordination back and um it's it's been fun it's challenging too because i know what i used to be able to play and how and i'm not there so you can easily get really frustrated that you can't yeah. do what your brain knows you're capable of it's true yeah i'm a i'm a piano player i've played piano since i was five years old and it's one of those things where i'm really trying to find things that not not calm me down but there's time there's times more frequently now where I'm sad or feeling a little yeah, down sure, and sure. and one of the instant pick-me-ups for me is playing the piano because you've mm-hmm. done it and so it becomes a, a therapy for you almost just mm-hmm. because you love it it brings you joy you're good at it uh but I too have lost so much of the muscle memory so mm-hmm. I, you, you've really inspired me to take lessons again oh. this summer so I can really start doing it every day because I think that's something I need to bring back into my life to, to bring me like some happiness and joy. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. it's not even really happiness and joy. I don't know what words you would say. It's soul satisfying, I guess. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it. It reaches out and hits you in, in your soul in a way that nothing else really does. Yeah. True. Yeah. Very true. So we're not going to talk about piano or cello music, but there nope. are probably maybe some of those instruments in this, but we're going to do uh kicking it old school. We're going to do nineties. And so <laughs> I said your top three nineties and I did say R and B slow jams, or you could do rap songs. So I have, I have both. I, I couldn't, it was hard for me to just do slow jams because I was like, but there's these rap songs that were so good in the nineties and nineties and rap is not like it was like today. I have a hard time with rap, but nineties rap. Oh man. Mm-hmm. And late eighties. Yes, it's so good. Sort of a mix as well. Okay. Mine well, sort of a mix as well. I'm going to let you go first. Cause you're the guest. 
Oh, wonderful. Let's hear, let's hear, I guess, are you going to do three and three? You said you had some honorable mentions. So let's hear. I have a couple of honorable mentions. So let's start with those. Okay. Um, Escape. Oh, I sure do. And so that it made my honorable mention just kicking it. And I still like to listen to it now. I I still enjoy a good old escape song. Oh, Uh, so good. And it's spelled X S P A C. Right. Yeah. If you want to find them on on Spotify, do not use (laughs) ES. You will not find them. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Love that song. Yes. Such a great song. Um, And then I also put as an album, and I still love this song to this day. I I know I could rap the whole entire thing. I'm not going to do it for you today. (laughs) Darn it. I'm just saying I could. (laughs) Um, It's MC8, Straight Up Menace. Oh, that's a good song. And I love that one. Okay, well, next time we go out for drinks, you're going to rap the whole song for me. (laughs) I love it. I love it. All right. You have another honorable mention? No, those are my two honorable mentions. Good choices. Love both. And it's funny for my top three that you brought up this song. So I did have from the 90s, Mary J. Blige, Sweet Thing. Oh, and absolutely. I, I too thought that she was the originator until my husband, who has blown my mind many times about songs that I thought were original from <laughs> the 80s, 90s, yeah, and early 2000s that are so not. And that was one of them, right? Because it's really Shaka Kong and Rufus that sing that song. It's so crazy. And so when we were from the seventies, and so when we were over here singing karaoke, and I said we should sing that, I think we sang the Shaka Khan Rufus version. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we and, did. and it was wonderful. I mean, we did. It was. We did that. You justice. and I sounded amazing. We really. did. Dang. What else? You and I sing something else, and you and I were the only ones that knew it, and we were just I like, remember. I feel like it was a duet, and we were just killing it. <laughs> we had so much fun. We did have so much fun. Okay. Oh All right. Next one. Number two, Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You. Oh, oh my God. God. All the feels. I sang that song to death I, back in yeah. the day. Yeah. I mean, you can't really say the 90s slow jams and not come up with that one. No, it's a beautiful. And how much did you love the movie The Bodyguard? I love, love, loved it. And like, then I had my heart broken yeah. at the same time. So same. then, of course, to the point where my teammates in, in college were like, okay, Lena, put the Walkman away and turn that song off. And stop wallowing in it. <laughs> you're like, you're like, listen, I'm in a deep state of grief, and Whitney is the only one that understands. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I love it. And not an original song. Not no, wasn't Whitney again, Houston's song and not yeah. Dolly Parton, who knew? I didn't know that when I was wallowing in all the sadness <laughs> of the song. <laughs> That's <laughs> oh, so funny. All right. Number and then three. The, the the last one is it originally was released with Erica Badu and the Roots, and it's called You Got Me. Oh, I don't think I know this song. Oh, it's so good. I love it. However, it was really written before she came out as an artist by Jill Scott. Interesting. So there's a version of it where Jill Scott is in concert with the Roots and sings it, and I like that version better. Okay, um, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up and add it to my playlist because you've got great taste in music. So I know I'll oh, love it. Oh, thank you. 
So, and Jill Scott, I love, love, love. She didn't really come out and tell the 2000s, so she just barely missed the mark. Yeah. But she did write this song, and Erica Badu at the time was more of an artist, but she's the one who sang it originally. So it's a great song. Interesting. Okay. I will look it up. So do you have any, did you have rap too, or you're done? That was it. I'm done. That's it. Okay. All right. That's good because I mean, it's my turn. Going, I know, but I, but you knew that we couldn't be on myself. the phone. Yeah, we couldn't be on the phone for three hours. Because so. <laughs> again, that's a separate podcast. Okay, I, I have I couldn't come. I I had to do five. So here we go. These are my slow jams. Okay. Uh, Let's chill by Guy. Oh, so good. <laughs> Let's settle down. So that's what good. I want to do. Okay. Uh, Knocking the boots uh, oh, by H Town. Yes. Another <laughs> really good one. Love that one too. Another good one. Freak me by Silk. <laughs> oh yeah, I love that one. <laughs> it's so good. Freak me, okay. baby. I know. Okay. It's so good. It's so good. Uh, nice and slow by Usher. I mean that Not song. A huge Usher fan, but I know, okay. but that song. It's a it's a slow slow jam. It's just yeah. dang. Yeah. It's seven o'clock on the dot. I'm yep. in my drop top cruising the streets. Anyways, okay. Uh, the last one is Weak by SWV. Dang. Yes. I mean, Very that good song. List. Yeah, don't See, you love and it? This is why when you and I get together to do karaoke, it's amazing. It's amazing because you have amazing songs and then I come up with amazing songs. You have amazing songs. And I, yeah. We just, you get this cornucopia. Of, Don't of let music. us DJ a party. It's going to be turned <laughs> up. We have to. This has to be what we do. <laughs> this is what we have to do. Okay, here's my three rap songs because I couldn't leave them out. Okay, ready? Okay, yep. But just because I listen to these heavily at NAU, that's what's on my Understood. list. Understood. Understood. I Got a Man too, by probably. Positive K. Oh, love that one. <laughs> What's your man got to do with me? Um, yep. Rump Shaker. Yeah. All I want to do is zoom, a zoom, 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 boom, 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 boom. Yes. Come yes. shake your rump. Yes. Yes. And yes. Uh, a little ice cube never hurt anybody. Today was a good day. Thank I didn't you. have to use my AK. So, I mean. I was going to put gin and juice on there. Oh, that was a big one. So uh, good. Yeah. So good. I get it. I get yeah. It. Yeah. You and I, we're, we're on the same music highway. Yes. I'm telling you. So we're going to karaoke again. Maybe it was the elevation again. in Flagstaff. Right? It must have been. It was the time period, the elevation, and we were around a bunch of hippies, and we're thinking, listen. <laughs> right. So. Exactly. Well, thank you, Lena, for coming on my podcast. You have been a wonderful guest. I think you've educated my listeners, and but also inspired them just to stick with something, you know, stick in a certain industry and keep honing the skills because eventually it's going to pay off one and two, you don't have to go to college to be successful because to be honest, Lena probably makes three times as much money as I do. So, (laughs) and I'm still paying my college loans. So you don't have to go to college PS. And even if you do have little kids and you're, you're trying to do this daily hustle, you can make it through and still have great relationships with your kids. So, I mean, your success isn't just professionally, it's also been personally, which is pretty remarkable. So I think the big, big thing is college isn't, doesn't have the return on investment that it once did for our parents. Yes, absolutely true. 
unfortunately, since that is my job, I am a professor at a college level. I know. I'm, I at, know. The, I'm at the community college, so I feel like there's a little bit because you're not spending as much money. But I think there's still. a lot. I think that that's a, a big path that more people should entertain. Yeah, me too, because it keeps me employed. <laughs> <laughs> So I suggest you. it to people all the time. Thank you. Keep, keep like, doing that. Listen, I appreciate don't it. Don't spend all the money. They're just trying to get your money. They are. You'd be better off going to a community college. It's so true. Mm-hmm. All right, Lena, I love you. I'm so glad we're friends and that we get me to too. karaoke thank together. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's it's been my pleasure. And thank you for your your poignant answers and just your perspective on life. It's It's really amazing. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure, as always. All right. I will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to our latest episode of Life Takes Shape. Please visit us on Facebook at Life Takes Shape Podcast. We also would love it if you would leave a review either on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thanks so much.